God be the glory. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 26. Genesis, chapter number 26. At the cross, Jesus died for such a sinner as I. Amen. I don't know if y'all picked up on it or not, but brother, y'all heard Brother Bill when he sang that. He sang it from memory. He said, for such a worm as I. But the new translation that they changed those words and they take the worm out and made it, just put the word sinner in there. They thought that the word worm was a little offensive, that we would be described as a worm. But the Bible does describe us as a worm, amen, in our sin. He says that on several occasions, but Isaiah 41, verse 14, he called Jacob a worm. Thou, Jacob, a worm. Genesis chapter number 26. Beginning in verse number 1, we'll read um, a good portion of this and ask the Lord to help us with understanding today. So he says in verse number one, and there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gear. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because... That Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gear, and the men of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, she is my wife. Least, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah, his wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety she is thy wife, and how saidest thou she is my sister? And Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Least I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lain with thy wife, and thou shouldest have brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great, 
For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Father, we bless you today and ask you in this service to speak to our hearts. And Lord, uh, equip us by way of your word. I thank you, Lord, that we can come before you today and, and sing about your sweet name and about the glories of the cross and what a accurate description as sinners we are worms before you but thankfully that you make us new creatures in christ jesus that we can be your creation used by you as an ambassador of heaven to represent you upon this earth and i'm thankful today that as a new creature in christ jesus all things have become new old has been done away with passed away and therefore i could look unto you today for your help for your strength Lord, for your smile, your countenance to shine upon us. And we ask in this service now, open our understanding that we may comprehend the great truths that are in your scriptures. Grant repentance unto those who you want to lead under repentance. Reveal your truth to us. And Lord, give us a mind to act on it faithfully and free any one of us from the lies we may be believing in the snare that the enemy may have us in. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at these passages of Scripture, I'm going to preach out of this this morning and tonight as well. Tonight we're going to look at more of the role as you've been reading. You notice that, that Isaac, as he was in Gear, and when he began to spread out, what he did was went and un uncovered some wells that his father Abraham had already dug. And we're going to deal with that tonight in looking at at the objective of our lives that God has called us to do and see how that applies. But as we enter into this, what I want us to see is that Isaac went into this place a wealthy descendant. And I want you to think about that because the Bible described Abraham, God's friend, one who walked faithfully with the Lord. Yes, he had faults. There was flaws in his life just like with Isaac. But he was a friend of God one whom God had called out and who took from the land of Mesopotamia. And God blessed him richly and gave him much. I mean, he was a, a man of great wealth and of great possessions. And when he died, the Scripture says that he passed these things on to Isaac because it was in Isaac that God was going to carry out the seed of the Messiah. So we find that Isaac entered into this place during a famine as a very wealthy descendant of a great man of God by the name of Abraham. And God tells him in this famine that he is to go down to Gear. He is to stay there. He is to dwell there, sojourn there. And we find him doing so. But there was some occasions that I believe that Isaac also picked up from his father. Remember, Abraham's done this before. Remember when Abraham went down to Egypt and he went down to Gear as well with the land of the Philistines and he told Pharaoh and Abimelech that Sarah was not his wife but she was his sister. Now Abraham was telling a half-truth, wasn't he? Because Sarah was his half-sister. He just didn't tell the rest of the story that she was his bride as well. Now Isaac, on the other hand, is telling a big fib, isn't he? Because Rebecca is not his sister, she is his wife, but because of unbelief and because of fear that was within him, because he was manifesting the very nature of the flesh, we find that he is there in Gear for a period of time and he, he's unfruitful. 
and he settles in this unfruitfulness. And we're going to look at that, how this all unfolds. But notice in, in verse number 1, it says, And there was a, a famine in that land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Now, how old was Abraham when he had Isaac? How old? 9,900 years old. That's right. How old was his wife, Sarah? 90. Sarah died at, at, at how old? How old was Sarah when she died? 127 years old. How old was Abraham when he died? 175 years old. Abraham was an old man, wasn't he, when he died? 175 years old. Now, Isaac married his wife, Rebecca when he was how old? 40 years old. Now, how old was Isaac when he started having children? He was 60 years old. Remember the Bible says that Rebecca's womb, she had not conceived. And the Bible says that Isaac entreated the Lord and he asked God to open her womb. And God uh, was entreated by him. He answered that request and she gave birth to who? Two boys, right? What was their names? Jacob and who? Esau. Now, Isaac, listen, now, if Abraham was a, was a hundred years old when he had Isaac, Abraham was a hundred and forty years old when Isaac married Rebekah, therefore, Abraham would have been a hundred and sixty years old when Isaac had his two twins, right? So that would have meant that Abraham had another fifteen years of life to live, and at this phase of what we're looking at is that Abraham has died at this point. So how old would that make Isaac? At least 75. He's probably a little older than that. So he's playing games about his wife at an age of 75 or more. So he's not a spring chicken. He's not a young man. He's an older man. He's watched God uh, perform great miracles in his life. He watched God bless tremendously. But because of anxiety... And fear of losing his life, he steps out of the will of God for a period of time and removes himself from that provisional blessing of God. And we see that as he enters in Gear Wealthy, he, he finds himself as a wayward dignitary for some time that he was there. There's a lot of principles in here that I, I pray that I'll be able to unveil that very similar to us and to the church in America. Because of the news we hear and because of all the events that go around us, we let all those things affect us and we find ourselves, like Isaac, unfruitful, settled in a place that we don't belong in. How do I know that? Well, let's look at this passage a little bit closer. He says in verse number 2, And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. The word dwell here in this passage means to lodge for a temporary rest. To lodge for a temporary rest. How many of you have built your own home? Raise your hand. When you were building your own home, did you live in another house while you were building that home? 
Did you anticipate that that house that you were living in while you were building your home was only a temporary place that you were going to be living for a little bit? That wasn't going to be a permanent dwelling for you. It was just a temporary dwelling. It was a, a, a place of transition. How many have ever lived in an apartment before? And you knew that you wasn't going to always live in that apartment, but you had anticipations you was going to live or build you a place. You had all that taken care of. You knew that that was coming. Well, this is the idea of the word that God gave to Isaac. Isaac, you just dwell there temporarily. You're only going to be there for a portion of time while this famine is at hand. This is not to be a permanent dwelling place for you. This is not where you're going to live. Now, I'm going to give you this land, and I'm going to give it to your descendants. But you are not to permanently take up residence here because I've got other plans for you. I've already told your father Abraham, I'm going to move your people. I'm going to put them in another place, Egypt. For so many years, and about 400 years later, I'm going to give them this land. I'm going to set them free from Egypt, and this will belong to them, but not to you right now. It's yours. It's going to be conquered ground, but you're to only stay there temporarily, just for a rest during the famine. He says another word. Notice what he says here. Verse number 3. He says, sojourn in this land and I will be with thee. The word sojourn here means to turn aside for a night, to be a guest. How many of you traveled recently and went out of town and had to stay in a hotel or a motel or a condo or anything like that? You didn't plan on living there, did you? Why did you turn aside there for, for a night? How many of you ever been traveling on the road? It got late at night. You was real tired. You knew you couldn't go much further, and you set up opportunity to take a rest at a hotel. You, you, you were a guest in that place. They took care of you. You paid them whatever they asked of you. You stayed there just temporarily, but you stayed as a guest. You didn't plan on taking up residence now how many of you ever had a family member come stay with you initially as a guest and they stayed longer than they probably should have now look at you some of you raise your hand up and turn your head like oh i can relate to that huh i i've probably stayed at places i probably stayed too long at times or i, I understand that but the idea here is listen god said this is only temporary you go into gear as a guest of theirs just to take up rest for a night you're on the road, it gets late, you give place to the dark, you turn aside for the night, but in all actuality, you're just a guest because you're getting back on the road, you're going somewhere else, you're just passing through. But let's notice what, what happened. It goes on to say that God says, if you'll just temporarily stay there and you, you will listen to me, God says, I'll be with you and I will bless you in verse 3. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father, and I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and I will give unto thy seed all the countries, and thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed. Because, I'm going to give you a standard, Abraham, your father, obeyed. He listened with every intent to honor and heed what I was to say. He obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And I want you to notice verse 6. Verse 6 says, And Isaac dwelt in Gear. Well, the word dwelt here describes somebody who takes up permanent residence. Somebody who settles down 
in a place. So can y'all get the image with me here? God said, just pass through. You're only a guest. But Isaac gets there and he plants. He settles down there. And he takes up residence as if he's going to be there for a long time. Now, remember, God told him to go there, right? Amen? So he's in the right place. He's got the right promises from the Lord. God said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. He's got the right past to go by. He had a father that taught him how to live and how to look to the Lord and be a friend of God. He's got the right principles to live by. He's got everything right, everything he needs. The most single blessed man on the face of the earth. And because of fear in his heart, he settles down in a place he shouldn't be when he's only supposed to pass through. That kind of sounds like us, don't it? God told Abraham that, Abraham, you'd have sojourned through this land as a guest. You're passing through. Remember what the word Hebrew means? What does Hebrew mean? One who passes through. Why does he pass through? Because he's just crossing over the land. Why? Because Abraham was to pass through because he, he had a God who was his maker and God had a permanent dwelling place for him and it was in glory. Amen. And he was just on this earth passing through on his way to a place that God prepared for him and he wasn't to, to plant and settle down. And remember last week we said we saw that Abraham had a few secrets in his life and one, one of those secrets was that Abraham knew how to build an altar, that is make a priority for worship and he knew how to pitch his tents. That meant he understood he was just passing through. But we, on the other hand, in our modern day, this is what we do. We settle down in an area, and we take up permanent residence in a place, and we get so comfortable and fit in so much with the world around us because we fear of being any different from the world around us, and we're afraid of acting any different than the world around us, and then we operate in unbelief. And But what we find ourselves is that we find ourselves doing things contrary to the will of God. And you see that with Isaac. What does he say? Because of fear and unbelief, he tells the men of the place that his wife is not his wife, but actually she is his sister. And I don't know if you noticed it or not when we was reading through there, but the Bible says that Isaac took up residence in that place and he stayed there. How long? Scripture tells us how long. How long does it stay? What verse 8 say? Look at it. Is it in verse 8? How long? Now, we don't know how long a long time is, but when God describes something as a long time, it's a long time, isn't it? Now, a day with the Lord is what? A thousand years. But do you understand that, that God wants us to have a full life, a good life, and that we're to serve Him all the days of our life, that our life be full and rich and fruitful and abundant, you don't have to stay in a place that long, meaning you can be in an area for 10 or 15 years, but it seemed like a 100. You see, the description of Isaac is that he was in that place of Gear, a place where he, he, God told him to go, but because he settled in that place, the, the Scriptures describe that as a long time, as a drawn-out process. Now, we believe Isaac was more likely in that place for probably about 15 years. So for 15 years, he had to have a secret romance with his wife behind the scenes. That wouldn't work out for most of you, amen? A secret romance behind the scenes. The only time that he would, they would able to show any affection toward one another, old King James says that, that Abimelech saw him what? 
saw Isaac sporting his wife. That's an old term, isn't it? Uh, sporting his wife. What does that mean? It, it, the word means laughing, full of joy, full of affection, having fun with his wife. He saw him having a lot of fun. And men and women, it, we should have fun with our spouses. Amen? Ought to be that way. When Abimelech saw him having fun with one another, he knew something was different. He said, that ain't your, that, ain't, that can't be your sister. She must be your wife. Why in the world have you done this to us? And he said, because I was scared. I was afraid. People would kill me for her. Now, why would you be afraid of anything when God says, my presence is going to be with you? Why would you be afraid of anything when God says, I promise you, I'm going to bless you? Why should you be afraid that somebody's going to take your life when God says that I'm going to multiply your seed and increase you and grow you and I'm going to give... This is yours already. I'm not going to give it to you to possess it as of yet, but it is already yours in my counsel. You have nothing to be afraid of. Just rest and walk in my ways. But because Isaac looked at what he saw, his limitations. What was his limitations? He was 75 plus years age. Isaac was a man... But he understood that he probably couldn't take on a younger man if they wanted his wife. They'd kill him for Or a group of men would kill him. His limitations was not only that, but his wife is described as being what? That would be a limitations if you're afraid that men are going to take your spouse because they are beautiful or handsome or whatever. But he factored these limitations into God's answer and therefore he operated in fear and not faith. And he was limited in what he could do. So he stays there as a wayward dignitary, a man who does not unveil the will of God to the world around him, does not reveal who he is or really what he is, so he's living a deceptive life, isn't he? He loves Rebecca, and they get to see one another, but it's always in the dark when nobody else is looking because of fear. Kind of sounds like some of us. We, we celebrate in the light when we're here together as the people of God, but when we go on the job, we're afraid to tell people who we're in love with that we love Jesus Christ and, and we've got a word from Him and we want to give away. Are you with me? We have a romance on Sundays with the Lord and we hear from Him and we study and, Him, but when we get out in the world out there because we fear what man will think about us or fear what people will do to us, even though Jesus said all of authority in heaven and on earth belong to me and I commission you in my name to go do my work and make disciples for me, we get so caught up in what people are going to say and we say, well, I don't know enough. No, it's called fear. Well, I don't know how to respond if they ask a question. It's called fear. And we find ourselves, what? Fruitless and faithless in an area or in a place that God has told us just to pass on through. And we get locked down and settled in it. Are you relating to me today? This is exactly what's going on then, and it's happening today. Folks, we got... we. If God has appointed us, you could be at the right church in the right community on the right job exactly where God's called you to be and be fruitless because of fear, unbelief. There's a lot of preachers out there today that will not preach the counsel of God's Word. You know why? Because they're afraid they're going to lose their job if they tell people what God says. 
They're afraid. They, and, and they don't see it as a mission or a ministry. They see it as a job. And they'll lose their job. They'll lose their pulpit. They're afraid what people will do to them. I tell you what, what we need to be praying for today in this land is that God would raise up some men who will be strong in the faith and whether hell or high water, it doesn't matter what it's going to cost them, they'll be true to the Word of God and they'll preach the truth in love with compassion and a desire to see God transform lives but not hold back the fact that God's got a, a Word that they've been dwelling with the Lord and, and speaking with Him, but it's always in the dark, behind the scenes, but not unveiling what He's given them before the world because of unbelief and fear. And I'm telling you today, our land is Filled with fearful men who are afraid to preach God's truth. They won't want a man of God to come into their church and preach the word of truth because they know they're going to have to deal with it when he leaves and they don't want to have to deal with it. I'm telling you. But the same thing applies for you and me. We've got people around us, people that God's given us influence with but we're not speaking life into them because we're speaking things that won't live past the day. Things that have no eternal value to them. Things that are not rooted in the eternal truths of God. A word that we heard that can help somebody. Yes, it's going to create a crisis within them. Yes, they're going to be convicted by it. Yes, they're going to come up and maybe rebel against you and you may lose a friend out of it. But folks, we've got to be faithful to what God's called us to do. And we've got to be His missionary, His own mission for Him. And we have the riches of heaven behind us. We are wealthy descendants of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, joint heirs to the throne of God. But we can't find ourselves as wayward dignitaries in this old land we live in. We need to be true to the Word of God and do what God's called us to do. So the Bible says that He lived there a, how long? A long time. A long time. And he didn't clear it up, did he? Somebody else noticed it, huh? He didn't go to the land and tell everybody, say, hey, wait a minute. I've been fibbing to y'all. I've been lying to y'all. Th that woman is really my wife and I'm in love with her and i got to let you know and, and, and she's mine and I'm going to protect her and I'm going to provide for her. But he didn't do that. Somebody else noticed his error and pointed it out and he confessed it. And he got right with it. You know what the enemy would tell you today? The enemy does this. Well, boy, if I really was walking with Jesus, that preacher wouldn't have to tell me that I need to be doing this. I ain't nothing but a sorry, no good joker. And you just waller in your misery and you waller in unbelief and fear and you let that be an excuse why you don't just get right with the Lord and go for it. Hey, look, he confessed it. He said, look, you're right. She's my wife and I was in fear while I, while I did it. And God supernaturally intervened and Abimelech said, no man better touch him nor his wife. And the Bible says, when it was cleared, when all this was cleared up and he got right with God even, so, even though somebody else noticed it first and dealt with it first, the Bible says in the following verse, I believe, it's either 9 or 10, what does it say? What's verse 9 say? Somebody start reading in verse 9. Read, read the next verse. Keep reading. 
Next verse. Listen to this. The word then. Then, what does it say? You hear that? When it was all cleared up, Tommy, and it was all brought to light, he agreed and confessed and come in agreement who he was and what he was and who he belonged to and why he was doing what he was doing and all was brought to light. It says, then, after a long time, then he sowed and he reaped a hundredfold harvest and God blessed him. Amen? Do you see the picture here? He goes from being this wayward dignitary for a long time because he settled in his unbelief and fear. But when it was cleared up, when he confessed it, when he got right with God, when he repented of where he was at, it says then he became what God sent him in there to do, to be a blessing to everybody. He sowed then. And in that same year where the Bible gives us indication previous to that, Isaac was unfruitful. He was not whom God called him to be. God blessed him and he increased and he began to wax great and God continued to multiply him and he got bigger and greater to the point where the people came to him and said, you got to leave, brother. You, you, you're larger than us now. you got more servants than we got. He outgrew the city that he was in. One man, why? Because he got things right with God and God blessed him. Amen? I tell you, folks, if we're just... If we would just let God get things right with us, if we would just agree with Him, God, we we fouled up with You. You've sent us on a mission, and we're not operating in that mission. We we've settled around in fear, and we operating in fruitlessness, and we've got comfortable in it. Do you know the church in America today has got comfortable with with being with with lack of fruit, and settled in that area of their life? They settled in it. But that's not the case. There's a reason why God is not pouring out revival and supernatural blessings upon the church of America because we've settled in a land that we're fearful to stand up and say we belong to Jesus and we're soldiers of the cross and there's only one way and there's only one truth and there's only one life. His name is Jesus and there is no other way. And I've come as an ambassador of that glory land of heaven and as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ to call on the nations to turn and repent and place faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and come follow and come walk with us as we walk with Jesus. That's what we've been called to do, church. Amen? And God told us just pass through this old land. Don't get settled in it. Don't settle down. Just look unto me and I'll make sure I'll bless you. I'll fill you. I'll make you fruitful and multiply. I'll fill you with my spirit and you'll go forth and do my work. And what we'll look at tonight is what happens when we get things right with all. This is what happened. He went into Gear, a wealthy descendant of Abraham. He settled down in Gear, a wayward dignitary of God. But he left Gear as a well digger for the glory of God. And, folks, that's where we want to find ourselves as uncovering the wells that our Father has already dug in people's hearts. We just take some of this old world, this old dirt off of it and do His work. You come back tonight, and that's what we're going to look at of those principles of learning how to be a well digger for the glory of God in these days that we live in. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Father, we bless you this morning. Thank you so much for uh, helping us with uh, your word. I I pray that we would... 
each one in this place right now. Examine ourselves. That we're in the right place. We have your promises. You've given us a principles to live by. We have a heritage, a legacy, the past to look to as an example of your faithfulness. Lord, we have your blessing to do your work. Lord, if we're operating in fear and unbelief, would you manifest that to us? And Lord, would you grant unto your people repentance today that we may come fresh and anew before thy throne and that you would pour out upon us the spirit of the living God. That, Lord, we won't settle where we are, but we'll become seekers, seeking first thy kingdom and your righteousness. And, Lord, that you will use us in these days to do your work to represent you as faithful men and women, boys and girls, accomplishing your purpose. I love you and I thank you. Lord, it begins at the cross with Jesus. Lord, for those that are still wayward, dying and perishing in their sin, that, God, you would awaken them, quicken them, Lord, by your Spirit and call them unto salvation in Christ. Grant them life. And us, Lord, that have turned and looked at the circumstances we're in and we're more concerned about our lifestyle and what we have and don't have and are fearful of men and the circumstances we live in, that we'll hear a faithful word from you to say, come unto me and you'll give us rest for our souls and that you'll use us beginning this day. Henceforth, to live for you. Praise and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Altars open. You respond to the Lord.